we will not be held responsible for any hearing impairments or damage caused to you from excessive exposure to this sound. He is mad. He is crazy. Some say he never had any marbles at birth. Or maybe he's onto something. It's the Quiddy Cast with the Larry Quiddy Lie. It's not fearless. Just real talk. And now, here's your host. Hi, hi, hello, and hey, hey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Criticast. The name is Larry, and it's in partnership, of course, with uh, a lot garden suites. And I'll be telling you a bit about them in just a bit. Uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, the statues are falling all over the world, aren't they? And I ask questions out there to ask people, what do you think about the statues that keep toppling or keep falling or whatever? And then in the se- second, that is in the second segment, and I'm going to have my little opinion in there. Little, I call it, because I think others have got a lot more opinions. There was a particular opinion that had to do with law that I found very interesting. Then in the third part, I'm going to talk about that new Lobola suggestion. There's a law in Zimbabwe that's coming into place. Uh, let's have a bit of a chat about that. It's a funny thing. It's a, I think it's much like the sixth time under Quiricasts that I've discussed Lobola. But in 211 episodes, it can't be that bad, can it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting topic for me. But let's talk about some of the news this week. Of course, we cannot uh, talk about news this week without talking about that announcement that there was a coup attempt. Not a coup attempt. What is it? Kazembe, the Minister of Home Affairs in Zimbabwe, held a press conference uh, to tell the world that, uh, well, you know, the, the, there was a, that rumor you heard about the, the coup. Well, there's no coup coming in Zimbabwe, except... I think most people hadn't heard about this rumor called the coup, and I'd like to be one of the uncool ones that can claim they never heard that there were, might be thoughts of a coup, but I'd actually heard about it. But you kind of want to hear those, you hear the, one of those things, you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, oh, sure, yeah. But I mean, when then they come out and they say, you, you got a lot of questions. You, you have a lot of questions. But of course, the wider implications are that, you know, you might end up having a situation where uh, there's justification forces of actions by the government because all in the name of security. But I, you, you must say in in some instances there has been, I don't know, <laughs> one of those difficult situations because I don't know, is, is it a case of no smoke without fire? Is it a... But anyway, the, the government has stated its position. It, it went after a couple of people saying that they were people from the opposition party and former uh, ZANU-PF members were upset and said they were claiming that there's a coup that might be brewing. And that, meanwhile, the government says there isn't such a coup. They claim that there were uh, journalists that were named the media companies, most of them outside Zimbabwe, in fact, pretty much all of them outside Zimbabwe, NGOs were named, well, not named, but they were said to be linked to hostile foreign companies. And no, what are called companies now are called foreign governments. <laughs> Might as well call them companies these days. The way some countries are operating is if they're private um, corporations. And then uh, who else was named? 
I think this was about, that was about it. It was weird. It was just weird. But anyway, nothing to see here, says the government of Zimbabwe. It was all smoke and puff in spite of the fact that you'd never seen the smoke. <sighs> Life. Then the World Health Organization came in this week and said asymptomatic uh, COVID-19 cannot be spread. We said, okay, what the fuck does that mean? They're like, well, you know, the whole thing is very rare for people to get asymptomatic spread of COVID-19. And therefore, because it's extremely rare, you know, it begs the question, why are we scared that people we don't know have COVID-19, that show no illnesses, could transmit the COVID-19 to us? Or have we just become conditioned to start believing that, uh, you know, it's become like... um, you know, what was that thing? Stigma. And stigma is more comfortable because then we can just decide we don't really want to associate with somebody because they might have COVID-19. Which kind of brings the bigger question um, around, you know, everybody's having this conversation around school and so forth. Schools are like breeding grounds for all sorts of diseases because kids are coming from somewhere and they we don't know what they have. I don't know why we suddenly think that... Um, COVID-19 is a special reason for kids not to go to school, given that in the, the studies show that in the whole of the United, um, in whole of Europe with its 300, 400 million people and all those infections, a total of roughly 200 kids got COVID-19, which means it's very rare. Of course, a person say, I, I worry about my kid because they might you know, carry it and so forth. But kids are not even spreaders. That's another thing. You're not going to catch it from a kid. The the chances of catching it from a kid, uh, once some, someone said, was the same as being struck by lightning. So I think at some point, I mean, we're enjoying this hiding from the world um, and thinking, you know, these things can, can wait. But when... One day, when, when, when the world looks at 2020... And sees how a lot of things got stopped because we feared something. Look, don't get me wrong. The fact that there's almost half a million people have died from COVID-19 is nothing to scoff at. But yeah, probably three, two, three times that have died, died from hunger this year. Um, just this year alone. Okay. Uh, if not more, we're in the middle of the year. So we're talking about nine times as many possibly have died from, from, from hunger this year. Uh, because hunger kills about 9 million people per year or something like that. I can't remember. But do we stop the world because people are dying of hunger? Or do we think because, well, it's poor people. So who gives a damn, right? Um, it's one of those things. I, I know people got their reservations. I I wouldn't tell anyone to tell to send their kids to school. But I think that's another reason. If you look at the apostories back in the day, when they started saying that their kids shouldn't be immunized shouldn't be shouldn't go to school shouldn't it was based on this ideology based on you know some exigent threat that if you if you associated with other people they would kill you and that became a reason for you to kind of not be and and homeschooling is good for what it can they can educate you about who christopher columbus and who those weirdos are but it won't teach you conflict management, which is the biggest thing that public schools, uh, schools in public uh, taught, taught children. How to negotiate with other people, how to play with other people, and to develop herd immunities around certain diseases. So you might say you're educating your child, but 
in reality, kids that generally went to schools where there was a lot more free-range association, where um, there was good after extracurriculum activities, turned out to be more well-rounded children and ready for the world. So in the future, your child is going to be like, yeah, very knowledgeable about you know, how, what atoms look like in person, probably shook hands with them as a child, but uh, how to ask a girl out on a date and how to, to negotiate a situation where they don't end up shooting up the whole school um, or the whole office or whatever. They don't know how to do that because they just don't know. They just didn't develop those skills on their own. But far be it from me to tell anyone what to do with their child. It's just that we, we get, we're getting down a very slippery slope right now because even when I look at uh, countries like South Africa, how slow they're opening up the economy, you kind of realize that to a large extent, it's like essentially when is it going to be fine to do it? Because it's like one of those situations where if somebody has a, a situation, you know, is what you call it? Um, uh, no, no, that's not what I meant to say. Let me... <laughs> I'm going to edit this. It's like one of those situations where if we've been walking around and catching diseases of sorts and getting sick at home and getting on with it and missing work and stuff like that. And loads of us have been doing it. And most of the time because we haven't been getting tested and because of mandatory testing of flu or bilhazia or whatever has not been taking place. So statistically, we haven't been getting sick. And we haven't been necessarily dying from a specific disease. So if that is the case, at what point will it be okay to be let out to the rest of the world? That's a big question for me. But yeah, um, finally, did you hear about this? Speaking of which and foods and stuff uh, and stuff like that, the cancer story, when they said cancer, uh, if you stop eating certain foods, you're going to yeah, reduce your chances of getting cancer. So one of those being red meat. Um, all alcohols, um, uh, processed foods. I can't remember the fourth one, but it's like weird. It's like these studies always scare you and they're so absolute, which is kind of weird for me. Like you can't have absolutism in these things. It's weird. Let's stop it. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutism is weird. It's like, it's like how the World Health Organization, sorry to shit on them for a bit, but it's like how they repeatedly, every other day, tell us that something is going to kill us. And if we're going to live perennially thinking about what could kill us, we're going to end up not living. And this is what's happening in 2020. We're basically continuously worrying about what, what might or might not kill us. It's Larry, you're listening to The Criticast. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. So as I say, this episode of the Kudicast is brought to you in partnership with Aloft Garden Suites. Check them out. Their website is alofthospitalitygroup.co.zw. It's situated in the avenues in Harare, 
Uh, just go between 7th and 8th and Sulu on 70 Sulu Avenue. They've got facilities such as Wi-Fi. They've always got electricity, always got water. So it's a nice place. And it's a big thing if you're in Zimbabwe. So you can get a great accom- an overnight accommodation at great pricing here in Harare. You're listening to The Criticast. Wash your hands, avoid sick people and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Statues and monuments are falling all over the world. Ha, yes. So, decided, let me hear what you have to say. Do you think we should get rid of statues? And then speaking specifically about Zimbabwe. Now, in Zimbabwe, we got rid of... Um, Cecil John Rhodes at Independence. And now in the place where Cecil John Rhodes used to stand, we have Shoshan Nyongolongomo. <laughs> I love saying his name in full. So we we dealt with Rhodes like early on, which is like, yeah, but his grave is still there and David Livingston is still there. So should we be taking those monuments down? What's your thinking? This is what I this is what you had to say. Hi. Um I personally don't see how destroying um, colonial and and you know these statues with colonial and slave pasts is going to help in doing away with racism you know um you know i i don't see how simply destroying these statues is going to deal with for example, institutionalized racism. What I think is that people should direct their energies at looking into ways of doing away with racism, you know, in the here and now. So that's that's my take on that. I don't, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm in no way condoning racism and I'm in no way saying that, um, you know, people shouldn't feel the way they're feeling, especially during this time with what happened to George Floyd and so forth. But when you look at it from a practical standpoint, it doesn't help anything. Okay, you destroy the statues and then what? If you destroy statues and you don't implement any measures to do away with racism as racism stands in the world, then it, you know, what have you really done? You haven't really accomplished anything. So that's what I think. Um, frankly, I don't think anything should be taken down. I don't think anything should be dug up. I believe that everything that happens in our history is important to who we become today. And those things are reminders of why we are the way we are. I feel, or I think, taking down statues with colonial and slave pasts or digging up Rose Grave or getting rid of Livingston is pretending that those things didn't happen, but they did. As painful as they are, as horrible as they are, those things should be the reason why we aspire to be better. Those things are the reason why we should try to make sure a thing like that does not happen again. Those things should remind us that we are not what those people uh, made us out to be. So I think those things 
statues, the graves, all of that should stay there. Of course, it's a different thing with names. Of course, we don't have to keep the names that they gave to things. I think that's different. However, statues and things that they erected to um, remember each other, I think we should keep because it's still a part of our history. Now the idea is to make a history that's different from that and learn from whatever we did in that situation that uh, was not the best. The laws of any country outline the history of the country, the brutality, the trauma that may have been suffered by the people. And the law is fluid. It shows social changes. It shows how civilizations go from one point to another and how social norms change and what is acceptable and not acceptable uh, within uh, that particular space. So when you look at the colonial past and uh, slave, uh, that slave history or that colonial hangover that still exists in some of our laws, the first thing is we need to appreciate that we are a country with history uh, and that at the time these laws were put in place, they may not have been morally uh, morally fitting, but for the government of the day, those are the laws uh, at the time. So I think it's important for us to keep a history, but as we progress, we should simply be progressive as society changes. It's not about going backwards to repeal those laws, but we should have more effective and progressive laws that show where society is today. Regarding digging up graves and so on, that would be desecration even in terms of our current laws now and i don't believe we achieve much by going backwards and acting as if the past didn't happen what we can do is have progressive laws that are in tune with what's happening today and are there to meet fundamental human rights and in the keeping uh, of dictates of what the universal human rights uh, declaration charter says as well as some of the other international international instruments that we have ratified here in Zimbabwe. So I, I would I would lean more on the side of having progressive laws, not necessarily going back and trying to erase the past as if it didn't happen. Hello, Quiricast. Um I agree with the notion that all these statues should be taken down. We can keep the history, but we can do away with the symbolism. Doing away with the symbolism doesn't mean that we are doing away with the history. There's a difference between keeping your history and keeping the symbolism. Because uh, symbolism is a sign of respect, it's a sign of honor. So if we keep my statues, Anna Rose, Nema Kwao, it's a sign of honoring them. But we can uh, keep the history without honoring those people. Uh, so I think those statues should be taken down. And uh, because I know that uh, as black people, usually we are not very sensitive to symbolism. But uh, symbolism has got a meaning. So those statues should go. Thank you. My name is Mono. So what I think is statues should not be taken down because they hold, a, they hold something to this country like remembering what's really happened like long back and it's yeah sometimes it holds a sentimental value and those statues now 
are being used to to bring income into the country they are now at uh, some of them and now a tourist attraction and yeah so they shouldn't be taken down that's what i think that's my thought hi larry uh, thanks for the interesting question here's what i think i don't think it makes sense to be digging up and pulling down statues of people who stand for what we're against i think the bigger problem is that uh black people or africans have not done a really good job at immortalizing their own heroes, immortalizing our own historical figures. I'll give a classic example from Zimbabwe. The only memory of Mbuyane Handa and Sekurika Gubi that I have is that picture of them in chains looking helpless. We even chopped down the tree where Mbuyane uh, Handa was supposedly hanged a couple of years ago. There's no monument there. Whose fault is that? Imagine what it would do if about the memory and the legacy of Mbuyane Handa if instead of a picture of her in chains, we had a statue of her, uh, you know, rising up or something to symbolize what she says that uh, her bones will rise or something like that but we have not cared about if history really mattered to black people we would be immortalizing our figure black figures of history but we are not doing that i don't think it makes sense to pull down statues of uh, certain people and i think another example it comes to mind would be Cecil John Rhodes. I'm surprised people want to pull down his statue from the Oxford University. The very same Africans who apply year in and out for the uh, Rhodes Scholarship. It doesn't. It really doesn't make sense. Hi, this is Felix. I don't think that they should be taken down because they are a part of uh, our history. They make up uh, a great part of our history, and uh, history is not just made up of the positive things in life. Um, also, the negative and bad things are a part of history, and they are there to help us uh, to know what happened, and they are there to help us to make decisions um, for our future. So, they should be kept there. Um... Hi, it's Vince. I hope I'm not late with my um, uh, voice message. The, um, the statues with a colonial past and um, the, the ones uh, with, with like slave trade and all that stuff, I, th I th personally think that they should come down, they should be brought down and taken off. Um, we're not rewriting history, we're not changing the past. The past is like your birthday, you can't change your birthday, but it's still there. So why not take them down and replace them with um, people like William Wilberforce, the anti-slave uh, abolitionist kind of person? Why can we not replace them with something that's current? You know, these are public spaces that need to be celebrated by everyone else. So history is history. We can't get rid of history. I mean, even in Egypt, uh, when a new pharaoh came into power and he didn't like the other pharaoh from before, he kind of took down his, um, his or her statues and then he put his, his, his statues in place. It's just a way uh, of human behavior living in the current situation. It's all about evolution, not revolution. In a revolution, everything changes in an instant. But right now we're going through an uh, evolving situation, a movement which is evolving every single day, every week, every month. So in this current situation, I think, yes, take them down or replace them with something that's current or something that's in um, the public's interest. When South Africa was going through the fees must fall sometime, I think, last year or the year before, 
and the students were taken down and uh, statues and, and all that. I was, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Why are we not as Zimbabweans doing it? But now that I look at it from a different perspective, uh, I don't think it's worth it. It's part of our history. We were colonized. We, it was something, it was an era that was there and it's something that our children can learn from as well. We cannot change our history. It's the same thing why we people are fighting for Buyane and his bones and his skull and all that. It's part of who we are. And it's some, like when I go to Vic Falls, I, the number of times I've gone, I, the fact that David Livingstone came and, and all that, it's part of the history. Let's, let's not try and rewrite our history and let's not try and get caught up in things just because other people who are losing their heads because they have nothing to do during this COVID and we are like, oh yeah, let's all do it. At the end of the day, we might as well just demolish even the buildings that were built during the colonial era. Let's, if we are taking down anything, let's take down the buildings, let's take down the roads and let's start afresh. Let's all go back to uh, 18... 18 or something like that before the white men came to Zimbabwe and changed everything and set afresh. That's my take. <sighs> my opinion is conflicted. Um, look, on, in some instances, the statue should go. Look, if, 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 you, if you had a situation where your, where your child was raped, okay, would you keep a picture of the rapist in the house? To remind the child that rape is wrong and that the, the part of their history includes their rape. And that child has to carry that and send it to the next generation and generations after that. There was a rapist who destroyed a certain person's life. Now, um, another example, uh, Hitler, the fact that Hitler's statue is down. Uh, did, you know, do, do, does it mean that we don't know that Hitler was a bad guy? But even with guys like King Leopold's statue in, in Austria being up, we don't even get taught that he killed 10 million Africans because he felt like it, because he thought they were subhumans. But hey, his statue is standing up in Antwerp. You look at guys like um, Christopher Columbus, jailed for being despots, but statues in those countries. About David Livingstone, look, I think that guy can be put in a museum. I know people are like, oh, no, foreign currency and money and all that other stuff. And someone would argue, okay, you know what, for the Zimbabweans that are here right now, the, the pain isn't so much. But that's because we have, we're not teaching our people about the pain that, that a lot of our people went through. We, in Zimbabwe, the pain of the, Zim, of the African and the of the Zimbabwean in, aspect, in, in, in reality is confined to now. So people are, talk about political parties they don't like or to talk about sanctions regimes. But there's very little talk about, wait a minute, where did we all start trying to kill each other? Before, in, in as far as history is concerned, for long periods, uh, pre-colonial, pre we, we just let each other get carry on with life. We didn't spend a lot of time trying to kill each other. Yes, there was conflict like any other society, and that's why the kingdoms rose and fell and rose and fell. But 
that this idea that we were always engaging in running battles, trying to kill each other, is is a modern one. It, it, modern in that it was written after uh, when colonizers came in to 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 entrace the ideology that you know Africans are always fighting and trying to kill each other. Personally, look, I, I do I think that we should dig up Rhodes' grave and <laughs> throw it out in the car? I don't think so. I think where it is is sort of like a museum. Um, I, 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 I go to the Livingston statue and I kind of feel like it kind of keeps reminding us that David Livingston discovered us as humans. Like we didn't exist. We didn't have agency. We didn't know the place existed. So we needed a... A, a white missionary to come and tell us that this these were falls and he would name it after his queen. Some people are like, oh, he was anti um, slavery or whatever the case may be, but he was the sharp, the pointy end of of uh, colonization. Because what is one of the first things that you do when you colonize a place? You name it. You know, if if if, if you. It's, 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 it's weird. The first thing you, it's one of the first things you do. You, the, the, when you want to take control over a situation, if you want to take over a company, you, just, you, don't, you don't just keep it the same. You, you come and change some of the stuff. You can take over a house, you repaint it, you, so that it becomes your, it looks like yours. So he came in with his pointy end and decided, we're going to call this place Victoria Falls because obviously no one else has named it. Obviously no one else has seen it. Obviously no one else can claim it. Yeah, so it is, it is what it is. And I'm going to leave you with the thoughts of Kimberly Taylor. She was very passionate, her, or her video. Some of it is, is I'm going to play, because uh, a lot of the times I forget um, about how race, racism, and I love the fact that uh, the, the, someone has challenged the Merriam-Webster dictionary to define racism and not just hating people of a different color, but a systemic system that disenfranchises particular people uh, because of the skin, the color of their skin. So, so th that's very, it's been very important. I mean, like, that's how big this movement is, this movement against racism, that it's challenging. It's like, like Trevor Noah said, it's like if you, <laughs> if, if some mathematicians came and said, well, we have a problem with the number seven, and so we're going to redefine what seven is. So, yeah, I'm going to leave you Kimberly Jones. And this is to understand that the history of, in this instance, I, I, I listen to it for what it is, but I also think of how colonization has disenfranchised us for so long. And how even now, when, you know, countries like Zimbabwe and so forth try to claim their place at the table, any table, um, the conversation is always about how, we in the modern day are not doing things quote unquote properly. And yet, you know, you look at those bigger countries who have had such a huge head start, raping and pillaging from our continent and continually doing that using legal instruments of international trade for which we have no control. We cannot touch any of those legal instruments of inter international trade. Yeah, and then they come back and tell us they're giving us aid in spite of the fact that, that they don't want to pay us reparations for all the stuff that they took out of the country, of the world. And as, that's the reality. This is not to say that 
these are evil people. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's, that, that's one thing that many people then go over and say, oh, no, these people are evil. No, I think we need to fight for equality because we have to live on this earth together. So I want to talk about issues to do with black people needing to, to, to have their own history being told. I, I know there's some people say um, that um, the history of the, 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 the colonization and so forth is part of our history. No, 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 no. The colonial statues that exist erased our history. So the history of black people in, in Zimbabwe got eliminated the moment you thought we decided the history of the country is the history of Rhodes, the history of Ian Smith, is the history of Leander Starr Jamison, the history of... Because that's how our history started getting told. And every reference to ourselves was based on some strong man. And even after independence, the history of Zimbabwe became the history of Robert Mugabe. Or the history of ZANU-PF of Zimbabwe became the history of ZANU-PF or MDC. Not the history of the people of Zimbabwe. Which is why until today we're still creating totem poles for things that we hate. Like hashtags and angry statements. And not about equality, but who must rule. That's what... Our argument keeps being about. So, uh, I, I, it, it's, a, it's a situation that we have to actively confront. And by actively confronting means reading properly. It means getting involved in governance and calling bullshit on things that, that don't work. But let me let, me let uh, Kimberly Jones take this and then I'm going to come back in the next part of the critic. I was talking about that global law. People are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why. And that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff. Okay, well then, let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt and flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting that's their only opportunity to get it we need to be questioning that why why are people that poor why are people that broke why are people that that food insecure that clothing insecure that they feel like their only shot that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now 
decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you. And for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa, that was Rosewood. There are Those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play and every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your Monopoly money. And then, finally, at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now, at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made and then for 50 years, every time that I played, I, if you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood. How can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. Yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Clive Chikubu, and you're listening to the Query Cast. Shop, shop. Query Rap. What's up? This is Pascal and Pierce. And you guys are listening to the Query Cast. And you're probably on crack right now, son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I love how she ended that. That Be lucky that black people are not looking for 
revenge they're just looking for equality and that's that's a big takeaway from them what we want is equality but anyway law la law quick one this was going to be a short section <laughs> government of zimbabwe is coming up with a law that says that it's not mandatory for someone not to have the imagined marriage registered if it's not been um approved because Lobola hasn't been paid because some in some instances some families will hold out and say no we don't approve of this marriage this marriage cannot happen the state cannot register it because uh we need every cent to be paid and so therefore you have sometimes in instances where a guardian has not been really involved in the in in, in the in in their child being being um you know they're, they're growing up and they they decide they want to make some cash you might have a father who was not involved in the child child's life and then when the child is a little bit older it says Dini baba so therefore i should get paid it's my payday or you know whatever the case may be and therefore that causes unnecessary suffering and prolongs the happiness of some people so the law will now say that doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a requirement uh, if the two families want to engage in a lobola ceremony, which I still, still think is a beautiful ceremony, so be it. And also, if if a lobola ceremony it takes on, now you can just go and register your marriage, no problem. But at the same time, I know a lot of people that just went and did their marriage and then sorted out lobola things afterwards. <laughs> So I, don't know. I, I think I think we're getting into a very individualistic type of world at the moment. So, so I think the idea around marriage, like we said a couple of years ago, a couple of episodes ago, has to be rejigged, rethought about what do we kind of want to achieve. And I think the law also protects, um, as I said, is for me it's it's super important in as far as uh, um, protecting. The, the, the liberty and the happiness of people. I think that is one of the things that's forgotten that these institutions are supposed to lend to. Uh, people should get into them feeling a sense of, I am starting an exciting new partner, uh, um, chapter in my life. Not like, oh my God, oh, oh what am I doing? Oh. I'm told after like five years of marriage, you kind of been thinking, what am I doing for this for so long? You just kind of put it into a song so it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've never been married. So it's probably happier than it sounds in my head. Oh, and, and then it sounds when my friends talk about him. I have friends who just kind of like, oh, Larry, don't get married. I'm like, what do you mean? You've been married for 15 years. Yeah, because getting divorced is expensive. But anyway, it's a, it's a very important law, much as important as the civil partnerships law. We're going to talk about that next week. I was going to talk about it this week, but I felt like, no, this needed contribution from everybody. What do you think about that civil partnerships? Uh, Larry at 3-mob.com. That's my email address. Uh, on Twitter at Quiriray, K-W-I-R-I-R-A-Y-I. Uh, same one as, um, as TikTok. And then also on uh uh, Facebook, just look for Larry Query Rai or Larry Web Doctor, and also uh, just uh, on Instagram, Larry Query Rai. And uh, also just remember that uh, this podcast is brought to you by three men on a boat. Do take care of yourself and the people that you love. Uh, oh, I didn't, I, I keep forgetting to mention iono.fm, that's where we're getting hosted. 
Um, also, you can find us on Google Podcast, uh, uh, Apple Podcast, Podchaser, a bunch of other places. Just look for The Criticast if you want to Google it. But if you want to subscribe, those platforms you can subscribe to. And every time there's a new episode, you'll be able to uh, listen to it as it happens. Yeah, uh, that's about it. Uh, see you next week. Uh, behave. Uh, love the one you're with. And learn to love even those that you're not with. And I leave you with the wise words of Larry Greedy <laughs> Oh, the winter, the winter, the winter, the winter of winter at the moment. Have you thought about the mosquitoes that are coming out in the winter? Well, I just think they're tokoloshis. That's what I think. It's been Larry. It's been the Criticast. Take care of yourself.